Steiger grew out of a passion to reach young people who would not walk into a church. What started out as a dynamic ministry reaching young people of Amsterdam has grown into a worldwide mission organization called to reach and disciple the global youth culture for Jesus. The global youth culture is the largest culture to ever exist. They're more connected, but never more alone. Always seeking pleasure, never satisfied. A worldwide suicide epidemic, sexually broken and confused, raised on pornography, taught there's no absolute truth, only preference. This global generation is overwhelmed with loneliness, anxiety, and depression, and they are not looking to the church for answers because they believe it to be irrelevant to their lives. Many are apathetic, cynical, and even hostile to the gospel. These are our friends, our sons, and our daughters. How do we communicate the gospel to these people who have such a negative view of God? How can we show them the love of Jesus in a language they'll understand? Steiger mobilizes followers of Jesus to reach young people who would not walk into a church. We are active in over 100 cities around the globe and bridge the gap between the church and the global youth culture by establishing Steiger City teams. A Steiger City team is a catalytic force for engaging secularized culture with four key objectives. One, we equip and unify the local church to effectively reach young people of their communities. Two, we raise up the next generation of Christian leaders and influencers. Three, we transform the culture by being relationally present and engaging in bold, creative evangelism in the secular scene. And four, we multiply the impact by fostering a culture of disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Thousands of lives are being transformed all over the world by the power of the gospel. Jesus said there is a great harvest and few workers. Will you join us as we bring the love of Jesus to the global youth culture? It's so great to be back here uh, at Church Unlimited. It's been two and a half years, and uh, it's been really a crazy time, hasn't it? And I know you guys have really gone through, uh, through it with the uh, cyclone, and uh, yeah, the world is getting crazier and crazier. But before I mess things up too much, I'd like to pray and ask that God will help me. So, Lord, I am so grateful to be in this church, so humbled to be here, Lord. So thank you. And I just ask that, Lord, it says we're two or more come together in your name, that you are there. You are here, Lord, because we are here in your name. So you're here with us right now in our midst. So please speak to us. Speak to me, Lord. Uh, we all need to hear from you. And help me not to, to get in the way of anything that you want to do this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we left here right after the pandemic. Everyone was trying to get into New Zealand and we left, and uh, I won't go into all the details of that, except it's been quite the adventure the last uh, two and a half years. But something that we're very involved in is Ukraine. And so a lot of our, uh, we have a lot of uh, Ukrainians leaders in our mission. And so it was really, really um, difficult when we heard about the invasion uh, from Russia a year ago. And so when this happened, uh, we were in the U.S. at the time. We went back to Germany and opened our center for all of the girls and young mothers with their babies that were trying to escape uh, the war, and including, you know, grandma and grandpas who left everything, who went through dangerous corridors in eastern Ukraine. I mean, it's, 
it was the toughest thing I've ever had to, and we're still dealing with. I mean, when they came there, it was uh, like six weeks of, of crying. That's what it was. And I, did, I, did, I had no, I didn't know what to do, you know. So I thought, I don't know, there's a, like a little dairy by our center there, so I would just go there and buy lots of chocolate. <laughs> and I'd buy lots of chocolate and give it to all the kids, you know, that were at our center. And I, it was so hard. And it's this, you know, it's in times like this that your faith cannot just be a bunch of slogans. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, I, and, and it challenged me on every level. Because a war is not like a tragedy. I mean, the terrible things that's happened here in New Zealand with the flooding and people, some people have lost their lives. Okay, the tragedy has happened now. How do we recover? But a war is an ongoing thing. I, I talked to one of our leaders there a couple of days, last week, and, and he was going into a bomb shelter with his wife who's pregnant, and she hit her head on a pipe and, and had a concussion and and, uh, you know, we're just dealing with this stuff on a daily basis. And then what's even more crazy, at the same time, we're seeing a revival in Russia. We've had, uh, we had things going on in 95 cities in Russia. And uh, to, now, there's, now in Russia, uh, they've taken the word Steiger, the actual word Steiger, and what it means, church will say, we're going to do Steiger. And what they're saying is, we're going to go out on the streets and boldly preach the gospel. Isn't that amazing? So Steiger has become a Russian word. And in, in May, Jody and I are going to be going to Georgia, the country, not the state in, in the U.S., but Georgia, and we're going to Batumi to meet with our Russian leaders and people from all over Russia, Kazakhstan, and Belarus. Uh, Georgia is one of the few countries in the world where they still can travel to. And we have such amazing, courageous people. You would not believe it. Oh, and I also should mention to you that on the front lines in Ukraine, uh, and I got this, these facts a couple of days ago, we've seen 25,000 people come to Jesus on the front lines. And there's so much going on. Um, we have a podcast. I don't know if we have a slide for that. Yes, yeah, so if you want to know... Uh, more about Steiger, you should, you should check out our podcast. We just did an interview with a guy named Holly Cabana, who is like this big, Holy Cabana, not Holly, Holy Cabana. He's this big rapper guy, millions of, of uh, followers. And he talks about how his, his story, uh, we, we, I mean, it's all about how do we bring Jesus outside of the church to this post-Christian culture that we live in. And so if you want to be encouraged uh, I think Jody was talking about maybe listening to a podcast. Maybe you should check out Provoke and Inspire. So, Jesus heard that John the Baptist was killed. And he knew that John was going to die, but he wanted to be alone. Because he was sad about this. Because John was his friend. But instead of being alone... There were thousands of people there waiting for him. So all day long, Jesus was ministering to the people. And it was getting towards the end of the day. And it was late. 
And so his followers went up to him and said, Jesus, people have not eaten the whole day. Send them away to a nearby village where they can buy some food. Now, I don't know about you, but I think the reason they said that was because they were hungry. <laughs> right? You know, they've been all day long, they've been ministering to the people, and they're thinking, maybe if we say this, Jesus will send the people away and we can buy some food. We can eat, right? And so then Jesus says, you feed them. But Jesus, come on. This is crazy. We only have five loaves and two fish. Jesus says, give them to me. So at this point, they probably were thinking, I guess no one's going to eat. So they give, they give their little, you know, five loaves and two fish to Jesus, and he starts breaking it. Starts multiplying. And pretty soon, there's basketfuls of food everywhere. But the, the disciples were so tired so Jesus said, listen, you get in a boat, go on the other side of the lake, I will send the people away, and I will meet you on the other side. Okay, so then the disciples, they got out in this boat. And it was about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And there was a storm, and so they're straining against the oars. And all of a sudden they look, and they saw a ghost walking on the water. And it said when they saw this ghost, they were terrified. Now, I don't know. Have you ever been terrified? I mean, they were so afraid that it says that they actually screamed. And when I first read this, I thought, why were they so afraid? I mean, these were tough men. These were fishermen. This wasn't the first time that they were out at night in a storm. They, maybe it was the first time they saw a ghost. But these were tough men. Why were they so afraid? Well, I think the answer is this. I think they were physically, spiritually, and emotionally exhausted. And so when they saw this ghost, they were terrified. And I know how they felt. Because I was on tour with my band. I'm in a band. That's why I look like this. <laughs> it's the only way my son said I can be in the band. <clears throat> so I was on tour with my band, our band. And we were in Sao Paulo, Brazil. A crazy city. 20 million people. And... Someone in our band was out on the street, and they're talking to somebody, and they're saying, asking, so where's, where's your band going to be? Uh, where are you going to be playing uh, next? And, they, and he said, Madam Satan. And he said, where? And he said, Madam Satan. And he said, well, you don't want to go there. If you go there, they're going to kill you. And so then he came and told me this just before I was going to go to sleep. And so I'm just like really, really uptight about this. 
You know, I can remember I was looking at my face in the, uh, at the hotel I was staying in. I was looking at my face in the mirror, and I was flossing my teeth. And I did it so hard that I cut my lip because I was so uptight about it. So then I thought, maybe if I take a shower, I'll be able to relax. So I got in the shower, and I turned on the water, And the next thing I knew, I was literally leaning against the wall of the shower, and I was crying like a baby. And I'm saying, God, I I can't do this. This is too much for me. I thought about my wife. I thought about my kids. I thought, God, I can't do this. I can remember I couldn't even hardly pray. And I just, I just laid on my bed. And I, all I could do is I could say, God, help me. But then the ghost spoke. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. It's three o'clock in the morning. There's a storm. I'm out on a boat. And I see this ghost walking to me on the water. Of course I'm going to be afraid. But I think what Jesus was saying to his disciples was this. Why do you think it's so crazy that I walk on water? Don't you know who I am? When are you going to believe in the one you represent? You're in front of thousands of people. And you only had five loaves and a couple of fish. And you gave it to me. And I multiplied it. And I fed all these people. Why do you think it's so crazy that I walk on water? Peter wasn't convinced. He wasn't sure if that was a ghost or if it was Jesus. So he said to the ghost, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to get out of the boat and walk to you on the water. What Peter was saying to Jesus is this, Demonstrate your power in my life. I don't want to stay in the boat. Everybody goes around in a boat. The boat's too conventional. The boat's too boring. In Ephesians 1.18, it says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to everyone who believes. But I go around in a boat like everyone else. Demonstrate your power in my life. So Jesus looked at Peter and said, Okay, Peter, get out of the boat. This was not the first time that we played at Madam Satan. This was going to be the second time. The first time that we played there, the guy who organized the show refused to go in. 
I get, my band was already there setting things up. I get to the club, and he says to me, I'm not going in there. I don't know about you, but I don't want to die. And I'm thinking, thank you, great. You know, you munter. <laughs> he says, <laughs> he sets us up to play there, and he won't even go in himself. But I thought, I can't, if my, if I can't let, I have to go in, right? So I go in. The first thing I noticed was a table where they were selling books on torture. And a guy, books by a guy named Alistair McCrawley, who calls himself the Antichrist. They had a curtain you could go behind if you wanted to have sex. And some people didn't even go behind the curtain. We were playing in this dark cellar where all the walls were painted black. And you could taste, uh, you could taste the, the evil in this, in this place. And in our, in our show, we do a modern-day depiction of the death and resurrection of Jesus with live music. And so I'm representing Jesus on the stage, and I'm killed, and I'm put into a coffin to show how Jesus died. And so I'm put in the coffin, and while the, you know, the band's playing, I'm laying in the coffin, and it was like all the demons started coming out of people. People were blaspheming and screaming and swearing. And I, I can remember laying there thinking to myself, this must be what hell is like. And when I came out of the coffin to show how Jesus rose from the dead, it was okay. You know, we had some okay conversations with people. But I, to be honest with you, I was just happy to get out of the club. And so then, it's the next year. And our organizer, we were getting ready to go back to Brazil again. And our organizer said, I have good news for you. And I said, what's that? And he said, Madam Satan wants you to come back. <laughs> and I'm like, no. We don't need to test God. He wanted to know if we'd be willing to go to a place like that and not deny him. Right? But we don't need to go back there. We don't need to test God. So I said, no, we're not going back there. And I was actually here in New Zealand when I had that conversation. And so I went for a walk on a beach right after that. And as I was walking on the beach, I started feeling a little bit like Peter. And I, start, and I started saying to God, God, are you strong or not? I stand up in churches, and I say that you are powerful. Are you powerful or not? Think of the glory that you would receive if you could move in this stupid little club. I don't want to just hear about your power. I don't want to just hear other people talk about it. I don't want to just read about it in the Bible. I want to see your power in my life. Why should I follow you if you're not powerful? If you're not powerful enough to move in this stupid little club. And I was expressing this to Jesus on this beach here in New Zealand. And as I was praying, I felt like, like Jesus spoke to me. 
just like he spoke to Peter. And I felt like he said, okay, David, get out of the boat. So we went back. And my experience has been when you go to a place like this, the second time it's worse. It's like the demons don't know who you are the first time. I don't know if this is theologically correct or not, but <laughs> but the second time they know who, who you are, so it's worse. That's been my experience. And so we go in, and it's much like before. Again, you could really taste the evil in the place. Again, we're playing in this dark cellar. Again, we're showing a modern-day depiction of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So I'm killed to rep representing Jesus. I'm put in a coffin like before, and I'm laying in the coffin. And this time, instead of hearing people blaspheming and screaming and swearing, all I could hear was people crying, weeping. You could just feel it everywhere, just everywhere. People were crying. And people were talking to each other. There's a different spirit here tonight. And it's love. And when I came out of the coffin to show how Jesus rose from the dead, it looked like it was raining in the club. Like it could, wa I felt it washing over my face. Just, it's like, like the presence of God, like the Holy Spirit was just falling. And I said to them, you know what I'm saying to you is true because you can feel God's power and no one could argue with me. People rushed us for Bibles. We ran out of Bibles in Madam Satan. The club owner came up to me with his girlfriend and she, you know, he was shaking. And I grabbed his hand, took his hand, and I said, God loves you. And he, he goes, he does? And I go, yes. And so I was able to pray with the club owner from Madam Satan. And a pastor, a Brazilian pastor from Sao Paulo that was there that night said he felt the Holy Spirit stronger in Madam Satan and he's felt him in any church. And the whole underground scene in Brazil was shaken because there's no one more powerful than Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. We need to get out of the boat. You see, when you're in the boat... Your faith is very realistic, right? You have realistic ideas about what you can do. Because, and it all has to do with me in the, at the end of the day. That's why it's very important that I develop my, I find out my gifts and my abilities, my talents, and, and I learn how to develop those because it's about me at the end of the day. And then I also have a certain amount of resources. Okay, so I have five loaves and I have two fish. So I have to leverage those resources and come up with a strategic plan how I'm going to use my five loaves and my two fish. Because it's all about me. But 
if I get out of the boat, if I get out of the boat and walk on the water, the first thing I understand is, if God takes his hand off of me for a second, I'm dead. I don't have the ability, I don't have the gifts or the talents, I don't have the resources, I am not so naive to think that I can make any difference in this world. I am not so naive to think there's any kind of plan, any kind of proposal, any kind of strategy that I'm going to come up with that can make any difference. But I also know something else. I also know this. If I am willing to give what I have, even though it's not enough, even though I don't even have enough to look after myself, even though I don't even have enough to look after my own family, if I'm willing to give that, if I'm willing to just give all of that to Jesus, he can take it, he can multiply it, and he can use my life to feed the multitudes. God wants to use our lives. He wants to use our lives to change the world. And he always uses weak people to do it. He always uses people who do not have enough. He uses people the world would never choose. He always, he always uses people. He says, okay, he, here's the multitude. Feed them and I'm not going to give you enough. It's always been that way. Because God wants to get the glory for what he does in my life. And it's not who I am, it's who he is. And so I got to stop putting myself in this little box. I got to stop saying, well, you know, I'm this old, I'm this young, I have this kind of education, these kinds of possibilities. No, it's not who I am, it's who God is. And for him, nothing is impossible. Some people think, oh, I'm supposed to be in a boat. I'm a boat Christian. Isn't that great, you know, how God calls some people to get out of the boat? But he's called me to the boat. I'm a boat Christian. No, it's not true. Every single man and woman who's a follower of Jesus is called to live a radical life of faith. And that's when I'm alive. And that's when I experience all the things that I read about in the Bible or I hear other people talk about. And he wants to use you. Jesus said there's a great harvest and few workers. It's not right. And as long as we're here on this planet, there is something important for us to do until we take our last breath. So maybe you feel convicted by my words. Maybe you feel like, you know, I started out out of the boat when I, when I first became a Christian, but now I'm kind of, sw- I swam back to the boat and got in it again. <laughs> you know, I'm not really living that kind of life And I don't want to stay that way. I want to get out of that boat. I want to have that radical call that I once had. Or maybe you've never done that, and now God is challenging you. 
to take that step. And so I want to invite you, if you feel like this message was for you this morning, stand up and come to the front of the church as an act of humility before your brothers and sisters here and before God and say, God, I don't want to be in the boat. I want to walk on water. I don't know what that means for me, but I know you'll show me that you'll tell me. But I want to make that commitment. I want to make that public stand this morning because I don't want to stay where I am. If that's you, just come. Come now. Just come. Just come. Jody said something I thought was very profound this morning when she said that if we want to see God move, we can't seek Him in the same way. You know, we have to, we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and think we're going to have the same result. And the, and the reason that we can have this faith to get out of the boat is because we know Jesus we need to know him. I need to know him better, don't you? I mean, how can I face this world and stay in the same place? My faith is not good enough right now. You know, this war really challenged my faith, is challenging my faith. And uh, one of the things I've been asking God, you know, is Jesus said, how much will I give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And I've been asking that for a long time. Lord, I need more of your spirit. And, I, and I'm sure that you can identify with that. But I know that in Auckland, people need to see the supernatural Jesus. Right? And I do too. I'm no different. And I think he wants to use us to bring Jesus to them. He wants, to, he wants so many people to be coming to Jesus at this church that you have to have like, 10 services. I think it's great. I, every time I come here, I feel God's presence here, and I'm so, like, humbled to be here. But I do think all the beautiful things that are happening are just a speck of dust compared to what God wants to do. But it means that we have to get out of the boat. And He is faithful. He will show you what that means, what He wants you to do. So, Lord, here we are. Here we are, Father, your children. We are not, I'm not impressed with myself, but I am impressed with you. You are amazing. You are so amazing, Lord. Your love is beyond anything I can even begin to understand. And so, Lord, I don't want to be in the boat. I want to get out of the boat, Lord. I want to walk on water. I want to take steps of faith, Lord. And I, I pray for all my brothers and sisters here who have responded to this word, Lord. I pray that you would show them practically the steps of faith you want them to take. 
Lord, I thank you for the way you've been moving in this beautiful church. Lord, it's, they've been through a lot with the cyclone and with the pandemic and so many other things that I don't know about, Lord. But Lord, I pray you'd strengthen them now and put a, put a new boldness in them, a new courage in them, Lord, that they will not be impressed with, with anything but you, Jesus. Lord, and I pray for an unstoppable move of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to just sweep through this whole place, Jesus. And thank you for stirring us up this morning, but show us practically, Lord, practically the steps that you want us to take so that we can obey you and we can do it. In Jesus' name.